to Holy and Human, a podcast for mystics. I'm Adam Foley. And I'm Elisa Romeo. And today we're talking about soul and mental health. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our second podcast. Today we're going to talk about soul embodiment and feeling versus emoting. This has been the theme of the week and sessions. Uh, Lisa wanted to choose this topic um, yeah, for this to podcast because it's it's a big one. You know, I think uh, this topic usually is seen through a therapeutic lens of being able to feel your emotions, but we're also going to talk about it through the Gnostic lens, through being able to receive intuition through your emotions and feelings. Adam and I were on a walk the other day, and we were talking about how much of soul work is about being able to discern what is true intuitive information versus projective emoting. And it's challenging, especially when you're starting out to tell because it all just feels like feeling. It all just feels overwhelming and it all just feels like sadness and it all just feels like anger. And so how do you start to I don't know, like join with your higher self in when the big waves of emotions come up and know what's worthy of sitting with and what's also turning the other cheek to literally like look in a different direction if it's a voice that's trying to push you into a dark depression. How do we start to choose which emotions or inner voices are worth being with and and sitting with and which ones are just maybe messing with us to try to yeah throw us off the scent of soul yep definitely some emotions can just take you out you just mm-hmm. sit with them and you feel this downward spiral and the emotion doesn't go away it just seems to crush your spirit more and more you feel depressed you feel chronic anxiety and while other emotions if you don't feel them then you're so, <laughs> I'm gonna re-say that. I'm not sure if I can use explicit language on this. I'll re-say, it. then you're screwed. Uh, you know. So it's, and that to me is one of the true powers of soul work is being able to figure out what emotions are helpful, what ones are true, what ones will guide you to the truth, and what ones are ultimately a waste of time. A lot of times when I'm in a session or in a group therapy session in the past. Uh, you know, if someone's had depression and been struggling with it and they're so sad all the time and they've been crying a lot and you tell them, well, maybe you're not crying efficiently. That's a really confusing thing because they might be like, I'm crying all the time. I don't understand. But James Hillman, the psychotherapist who's a Jungian archetypal post-Jungian he's thought of, he talks a lot about how to do depression well. There's a way to have depression and let it kind of destroy you. And there's a way to be with depression where you're actually moving through it and letting the depression kind of inform and expand you into something new. And I see that a lot. And, and PS, like I'm, you know, somebody who's not anti-medication in the sense of, I just want to start out. If anyone's listening to this and you're super depressed, I think sometimes medication can be useful to get a good psychiatrist to work with you for med management so that you can actually do some of this deeper work we're talking about. Because if you're too flatlined and depressed to function, it's harder to do the work soul requires of you sometimes. So sometimes first it's pulling yourself up to a baseline 
of functionality and so that you can like start to feel some of the deeper repressed feelings from trauma that might be behind the depression. And of course, not every depression is the same. People have different kinds of depression, but energetically, often most people having depression could benefit from the skill that we're talking yeah. about today. And anyone even without major depressive, even if they're dysthymic or just having men- melancholy or like a contextual stress or like someone dying in your family, like these tools are super useful when life is overwhelming and hard. Yeah, that's our, our therapeutic disclaimer. We definitely aren't black and white about this. We're not saying that the only answer is soul journaling. And that I mean, I think that a lot of times soul journaling might be like, hey, everything. go get some Prozac for yeah. six months. <laughs> yeah, while I'm surprised you're, what soul tells while me sometimes. You're functioning, yeah. Learning to function if there's some kind of thing going on in your life. And then for some people, soul journaling can tell you now it's time to taper down and now it's time to do some other things for support. So, um, and of course, eating well and trying to sleep and getting social support and, you know, staying away from tons of caffeine, all those kinds of things can yeah. be useful if you're battling depression. And I think this, why Elise and I care so much about this topic and this work is, is this is why we picked the, the name Holy and Human, because Elisa and I are all about using spiritual wisdom and weaving it into our human experience for the most fulfilling lives. And I think these days there's a lot of uh spiritual bypassing is what we call it in the new age movement and where black it's, and white thinking where it's like you're either happy or you're sad and there's nowhere lo- in between or you're low vibration if you're yeah. sad which is like high vibration always being the goal which isn't how soul works soul's not always about constantly being high vibration sometimes souls like move down into the lower vibrations to like a soul retrieval go back and to feel things from the past and integrate into the present so um, if we become fundamentally like just manically focused on high vibration, chasing happiness, chasing, chasing ha- fun, <laughs> we call it sometimes, yeah. it can be this, the most depressing setup you could possibly create. So yeah, it's a setup for an inevitable crash. crash. Yeah. yeah. Whiplash. Uh, you know, I would say for me, and uh, you might want to add some categories to this, but I, for me, I see kind of. I'm I'm a big feeler. <laughs> yeah. I'm, a, I'm a pretty Surprise. emotional person. Surprise from Surprise. the empaths yeah. over here. Yeah. Uh, so I would say uh, I would die without soul navigation through uh, the emotions that I feel. Uh, but I would categorize my emotions in, in three different ways. I would say that there's my emotions that are uh, due to being an empath. So that's when I'm just picking up other people's emotions in the room that are not actually mine. Like a sponge, um, you just soak up yeah. all the unconscious, what do you call it, fragments of yeah. psyche floating Whatever around the room. Whatever anybody else is not consciously feeling, mm-hmm. I consciously feel. An example of this is uh, we were sitting with my cousin like a long time ago, and she was... Uh, she seemed fine. We we're all hanging out. She was happy. Everybody was in a good mood. She was saying she was fine. Too. She was saying she I'm was fine. fine. I'm fine. Yeah. We asked her how, great. how she was doing. She said, every, you know, it. in that voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and but I was feeling terrible and I didn't know why I could. I was like felt this unbearable sadness. And then I I verbalized it. I was like, guys, I don't know what's going on, but I can't I just can't pretend right now. I can't hang out. I'm just feeling this and then suddenly my cousin burst out into tears and she was actually very very upset um but didn't want to show it didn't want to talk about it and 
and I was experiencing that in my body. So you were actually almost having a panic attack. Yeah. That's the level yeah. for empaths sometimes is it's like a panic feeling. And then I remember when she started crying, you're like, oh, I feel so much better. Totally. Yeah. Because the release, there was an honesty release that occurred. And it's not that it's like, yay, we're happy people are sad and crying. We love misery. It's not that. <laughs> it's more empaths feel uncomfortable when there's a disconnect between what someone's saying and what's happening in the room energetically yeah. emotionally we can handle empaths are not like sensitive little snowflakes that can't handle feelings we actually are drawn towards vulnerability and deep feeling yeah. what we can't handle is inauthenticity yeah when there's a big disconnect between the narrative the egoic story and then what's actually happening yeah. in the body totally and i think that leads me to the second category which i would say is feelings from rumination from uh it's kind of the second layer of feelings when you don't really feel your authentic feeling when you're avoiding something the feelings of anxiety the feelings of uh sometimes it's the cause of the depression would that and be like so, gremlin voice or not really for this one um well right now i think i'm just talking about there the feeling qualities in my body mm -hmm. you know and i think that there's there's a way of when you feel your sadness and you cry and you get and then you you find the spiritual lesson behind it and then there's the when you're not accessing that feeling fully you're there's this just this painful uh purgatory of emotions so i'd say that's my my second category is the purgatory of not feeling what you're really feeling and then the third category for me is true authentic feelings uh and once when you feel those feelings you can connect to the purpose behind them those are the feelings that help you realize that every emotion has a purpose that every emotion has a lesson that every emotion is part of your journey teaching you how to become your most fulfilled self i want to take a moment and just stop and yeah. say that again because i think so many people don't actually believe that yeah. they might think they do but when you're really in a session or sitting with someone in a group it's like when someone starts crying they're usually like i'm sorry i just i'm sorry i don't know why why this is and they try to stop the stop the feeling and what if we truly 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 understood that every real feeling is there for a reason and it's a jewel in the sense that if we can get to the root of it and open and uncover it and hold it with love it's going to benefit and serve our life in a way we can't even imagine. And usually we just see the feelings we don't like as irritants to run away from, to turn away from, to get rid of. But what if we really went the other direction and was like our sadness is clues. Yeah. yeah. And to get closer instead of cut them off and throw them into the river. Yeah. Yeah. An example of that is I was talking to a male client the other day and he was talking about how he felt resentment whenever he was around his father. He just always felt anxiety and resentment and uh, but he never questioned the feeling, never investigated, never went into it, never soul journaled about it. Uh, when we soul journaled about it, his soul actually told him that he was feeling sadness underneath it. And it was sadness about the potential of what the relationship could be. And his sadness was really from love. It was like this feeling of, I love you. Why can't we just be in love together? And when he started crying from that place, it really healed him and the emotion actually moved. So he had spent years and years and years avoiding this emotion and and uh he he 
didn't think you should really feel this resentment. Like it was this, uh, just an irritant, an irritant in his life, an irritating mm-hmm. thing. And that usually you kind of judge yourself for like, what's wrong with yeah. me? Like, I can't get past this. I can't get over it. And usually it's because we're not efficiently working with soul in the way that soul wants to actually, like you said, the word, did you say release or something like that from the body? Cause that's what we're really talking about. How to move the feeling to, in a way that it's released instead of just repressed yeah. and carried around like the trash. Like we're just walking around with these bags of trash that we're carrying into all our relationships and to, throughout the day and then maybe performing for people of like, I'm okay, I'm fine, but like don't open yeah. the trash bag. Yeah. And if he really believed that there was a spiritual purpose in his emotion, how would have that gone differently for him? I think to me that's the purpose of this podcast. I think this is why we really care about this topic why we want to talk about it is because it is you cannot find your gnostic knowing your intuitive knowing if you're avoiding it if you think that your feelings are pointless and i think there's a lot of these love and lighters these days that are just like feel good use spirituality to feel good use spirituality as an anesthetic to your pain you don't have to feel pain uh, but knowing that there is wisdom in our emotional pain, but then wisdom also in the body that's yeah. just like held there. I mean, a yeah. lot of times they start flying astrally and they're not like in their body anymore. And that's why they don't feel trustworthy anymore. They might feel like blissed out and shiny, but there's a feeling of like, where are you? Like, yeah. are you here? Are you trustable? Are you grounded? Are you integrated? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, Carolyn Mace's quote, the medical intuitive that's so popular for good reason is, your biology is your biography. This idea that every single thing you've lived through is held in the cells of your body, every single moment. And I think we really don't understand that as a culture. A lot of times it's like, oh, that happened to you eight years ago? Like, why are you still crying about it? Like, get over it, move on. And especially with sexual abuse and trauma, that's a big like, wow, that happened 25 years, 40 years ago, move on. But your body remembers. So your body needs to be addressed. It has to, we have to come back to where the body is still in the narrative, even if our ego doesn't like it or want to go there so that we can update the body and the emotions. And sometimes that means crying to release the feeling. Um, When we were on our walk, one reason we wanted to do this podcast is I was remembering when I was first working in the rehabs with women with co-occurring disorders. So a lot of them were using meth and alcohol and other drugs to help mask an underlying mental health issue like anxiety, depression, or bipolar or whatever. And um, so a lot of the work in their groups was kind of managing both and seeing how, how can we kind of heal some of these triggers so that they're not less likely to reach for the substance. And a lot of that is about really learning about where your traumas are. And so we would be in these intense group therapy sessions and sometimes someone would start crying. And I noticed in the group, there were two kinds of crying, one type of crying. Everyone in the group would go, Oh, there she goes again. Here's the victim story. There goes Mary you know, yeah. or whatever. I think you all have a friend that does that. We <laughs> and all it know would one be person kind in of our like lives. the same narrative. And, um, like she done it, you know, 15 other times. And it usually had a strong victim quality to it in the sense of 
it's not wrong to feel victim and sometimes we are victims, but a victim archetypal quality of kind of like, why? Like that kind of a vibe and everyone would like dissociate. Um, And then there was another type of crying that would happen where sometimes it wasn't someone who cried all the time and someone who's scared of crying and felt like really they didn't want to. And when they started crying, you could hear a pin drop because everyone would turn at attention and know there was a sacred moment happening in the room where this person was courageous enough to allow the feelings through the body in a really deep, open, heartbreaking way to move that trauma out of their body. And it also served, I felt, to heal everyone else in the room because everyone was then given the gift of that courage, vulnerability, and openness. And I that's why in Meet Your Soul, the book I wrote, the, my second book, it I have a whole chapter on emoting versus feeling because I saw the importance of really talking about this, that all of us can do this. It's not saying you're a bad person. I have myself in times cried from emoting versus feeling, that histrionic place of like, life's hard, God, why? Uh, and it just yeah. doesn't feel good for me. It doesn't feel good for Adam or anyone <laughs> around me. Um, it's what's happening is you're crying from the gremlin. So I talk another chapter in the book about the gremlin is that voice of sabotage. It's like, you're not good enough. You're da 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 da. And then you start to believe that voice. And if you cry from that voice, you're crying from a lie. It's You might still really feel the true feeling of hopelessness or overwhelm from the exhaustion from the gremlin, um, but it's different than feeling... It's like feeling the secondary feeling instead of the deeper feeling. So it's like, let's say someone is anorexic and they're struggling with a gremlin that's like, you're hideous. If you cry from the you're hideous, you're only going to go so far because that's a lie. That's a voice of a lie. But if you can get to the undercurrent thing of like, I'm crying because I really don't know what I'm doing on this planet. I really don't know if I'm a valid life form here. Like I, I don't know my purpose and I want to know my purpose. And maybe you can connect to the truth in your heart on that and cry there. Then a release happens where then you start to have space for, I want to know what that is. I'm ready to know what my purpose is. And maybe I'm getting an image of a horse because when I was young, I used to love horses. And maybe that's going to lead me down to the stables to kind of reconnect with horses so that I have some life force in my body again, a reason I want to be on the planet and want to live and like want to support my body and want to eat and be here. Yeah, that's incredible. I think you just summed up pretty much the root cause of addictions is when you're not feeling your feelings all the way Um, partially yeah it's kind of like if you feel part of the emotion but not the true feeling you can stay stuck in that for like long time 50 years yeah i would say like uh you know i remember watching this documentary that was talking about how like 80 percent of americans lose sleep because of financial anxiety you know, every single night going to sleep with these ruminating, anxious thoughts about money, where how would that be different if they sat down with their soul, dialogued about it, but also just really felt like, God, I feel unsafe, you know, like maybe that's the root feeling underneath that. Like, I just feel unsafe. I feel like I have no control over my life and life is uncertain. Once you start feeling those feelings, you're on a spiritual quest. And then start to introduce journey. your soul. Hi, soul. What yeah. do I do about feeling unsafe? Yeah. How do you feel about me feeling unsafe? Do you have any like tips and baby steps towards feeling more sta- safe? In the moment, it might be like, 
grab a pillow and get your weighted blanket and like take some deep breaths, you know, yeah. while I, you say this mantra of like, this too shall pass, this too shall pass. Like sometimes it's just staying really close to the moment. Yeah. Like a labor where you're just breathing through each contraction to get the greater information to slowly be born through it. Yeah. I think one thing that, you know, I really feel is we have to under stand how important crying is and not be scared of crying and not shut it down because the body is so wise about how it knows how to get rid of stuff and i think you know we see our little five-year-old and stuff he he's great at crying when he is upset he can just <laughs> a little too full great body go into it release it and then he's like over it having so much fun the next minute we're sitting there like shell shock like whoa what was that but yeah. i think um as adults we've really learned to repress it so much and we were reading a little bit about the the science of crying. We'll link to it on our website. It might not be on all of where the podcasts are, but... On holyunhuman.com. Um, we'll have some of these links if you're interested in some of the science. But there's this uh, photographer, Maurice Mikers, and he collects tears from volunteers and he puts them under a magnifying glass and kind of like the scientist Emoto that was popular. Dr. Emoto. Dr. Emoto looking actually at... actually met him back in college. What did you Randomly. think of him? Great. I mean, I, <laughs> it was the first time I ever heard of his work. It was it like I didn't How seek him out at all. How would you describe his work for people? What does he do? So Dr. Emoto was one of the first people that took photos of water molecules and based off uh, and, and these experiments where he would send water uh, different emotions like love and hatred do, and like, anger mantras, and right? like I love you yeah. I love you to the water he or did, I hate you yeah, I hate you to all the water. sorts of things sometimes they just put up the word love near the water sometimes they would play Mozart sometimes they'd play uh, punk music and yell <laughs> I hate you and uh, it's just incredible if you see these photos because some are these beautiful uh, snowflake looking things and then others are rigid and look like broken one when you're sending them angry uh, anger and so it's just it's to me just the proof of vibration did you that know my this sister really did that i think in seventh grade with my dad for the her science, science project. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it was like she had the plants yeah and then one of them she like yelled at poor plant right and then <laughs> the other plant was like got like bach and like yeah. and like i love you I, I did the same thing actually and it did just you? to me it surprises me how this is just like such a simple <laughs> like, like why would we think humans wouldn't be like, like this yeah straightforward science experiment that third graders can do <laughs> that is so provable with science and we still yeah. like don't believe that our emotion vibrations affect things well, yeah around us well yeah. so anyway this photographer <laughs> maurice mikers is doing the same thing with tears so he's collecting tears from volunteers and he's found that tears if they are different if you're get, having tears like because from cutting an onion or tears from a fan in your face or tears from getting hurt like stubbing your toe it's different that make up then a tear of gratitude or a tear of emotional release so they talk about we have different kinds of tears in our eyes basal tears are kind of the eyes that just the tears that keep your eyes from drying out we have those in our eyes all the time and then there's reflex tears which is like the onions tears and then there's the emotional tears which is connected to your endocrine system and triggered to release hormones and so when you have a good cry you're literally releasing these 
endorphins and you are creating self-soothing emotional releases from oxytocin and other endorphins these chemicals help you to release stress and so in this way crying literally is self-soothing yeah and i think helps balance the neurotransmitters and deplete the cortisol which is the stress hormone so um yeah, I'd like to talk about a second just how often when we're doing a session, the first time we have people meet their soul, when we when we mm-hmm. start the soul work, mm-hmm. how it's almost in, always accompanied with tears. Mm-hmm. How it's like these these people come with these, you know, we're usually dealing with some issue or conflict in life and then we bring in the soul wisdom, mm-hmm. which is the love wisdom. We're like what does your soul say about the situation? What mm-hmm. does love say about the situation? And they get the information that's like, it's all okay. Or the information that like, I actually just feel upset that this relationship has more potential or something like mm-hmm. that. And then just just weeping afterwards. This yeah. These deep releases. And that we're walking around carrying these all day with us. And, and the gratitude releases yeah. are just as important. We were watching The Grinch Stole Christmas with our five-year-old <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. And he started crying after at the end when he the said, Grinch The has Grinch's a heart, heart yeah. grew. And then tears were coming. And you could tell he was kind of like unsure about these kind of tears. Like he felt kind of a sadness, but also like a happiness at the same time. And yeah. so those are those like you said something about that too i forget like sometimes we cry when we're happy you know the gratitude yeah, tears. um you could tell it was just a lot for his body but also really like good for his body to be like held safe why why he was feeling yeah. that which reminded me <laughs> when i was young for all you people out there who had like slightly hippie-esque family members my mom was very into the marlo thomas and friends free to be you and me soundtrack which is still amazing and if you have kids go check it out had a book that came with it which i used to spend hours hiding between these two sofas under a table eating chocolate chips bittersweet chocolate chips you know the ones in the kitchen for making cookies that i would like steal and i would eat those and like listen to this song and I think it's hard when you're a little kid, especially like having big feelings and going to school all day and all your things you got to do. And then sometimes you just want to like cry. So anyway, this song I was going to play for you guys just a little clip of because this song is called It's All Right to Cry. And you might think it's super cheesy, but I <laughs> fully love it and have such a special place in my heart for for it. So here we go. Wow, very 70s here. Yes. It's all right to cry. <laughs> Rosie oh, Grier. Wow. His voice is amazing. It's all right to cry. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it might make you feel better. I like his attitude there. I feel better about it. Washing all the sad out of you. Raindrops from your eyes. It's going to make you feel better. Okay, so I won't, you know, make you play the whole song. And I I thought we were going to be cheesy on this podcast. (laughs) But I think to create the schema for a child that's like, 
these are releases <laughs> that I can't, I can't just jump from jump the from song that to the, into but don't you think I'm still that, processing that me song. eating six years old eating chocolate chips listening oh, yeah. mm-hmm. to it, Adam's Adam's a little anti no, this song I guess we should know, have a poll you know, up at the yeah. end of this who agrees with the Lisa that it's all right to cry with Rosie Grier <laughs> and the free to be you and me song and who thinks Oh uh, no! I'm not just, have a soundtrack. I'm just processing <laughs> that music in the '70s isn't the same as it is these days. No, if I imagine myself underneath the table with some chocolate chips <laughs> as a child, I'm there with you. I'm that I yeah. It is Actually, an these schema. days, when especially like in high school and college, when I needed to cry, it was Pearl Jam's "Yellow Leadbetter." Something mm. about the tone in his voice and that song could always like if it's like. Have you ever had a yeah. feeling like you have to cry, but it's like a little down there and you can't get to it, but you know you have to like release it? Yeah, totally. That would be a good quiz for people. What's what's, <laughs> what's the music your, that helps you cry? What's the song that helps you cry? Because sometimes you might need to put it Is on. Is it free to be you and me? <laughs> Is it Pearl Jam? <laughs> They're kind of the same. Same same intention. Well, hopefully the takeaway from this is that just get over it doesn't work. That you're biography is your biology and we store everything from our entire lives and sometimes past lives so it's okay to make space to drop down into the body and do things like just feeling what's up feelings what's actually there right now and then trying to sense the difference between emoting and feeling you can reread that chapter and meet your soul if you want more info on that and trying to identify where's the gremlin voice, the histrionics, and then where's the true feelings that really need to be released. And as an empath, these are basic life survival skills. And I think a good important note for me to end on is just trusting the Gnostic wisdom of your feelings. And if you have a feeling, really asking yourself, if this feeling has a purpose, if there is truth in this, what is it? You know? Yeah, because you can't get in, you can't, even start to hear your soul clearly if it's so backed up with projections and you can't tell what's the difference between a egoic belief versus a soul feeling so the first step is starting to address mental health issues by having room to feel them and if you need a therapist to work with weekly that can help too if you've got a lot of stuff coming up um if you feel like you want to do some deeper soul worth work we're available for soul sessions to if you have some things you want to wonder about navigating with that uh, but yeah, anything else you think we're forgetting for this podcast? There's a lot more I could say about body stuff, but I think that should be a whole nother podcast, right? Yeah. About more of the. Yeah, I think, piece. I think that sums it up. And just knowing that, that when we're avoiding the feelings, they mm-hmm. la- can last for a lifetime. When mm-hmm. we trust them and listen to them, it, there's, you feel the temporary full weight of it. But then you release it yeah, and you cause... move on and you find the meaning behind it. And so it's av- it's avoiding the full weight of the emotion that stops us from releasing them and getting the lesson. And so it's just allowing them free to be time, you and me, man. Time, <laughs> time can heal, but it doesn't always. Sometimes it's what you do with that time. And yeah. so I think this is about really said. consciously using your time well of, just feeling your deeper feelings and having compassion and space to do that. Yeah. Well, lots of love guys. Thanks lots for listening. Of love.